Hello everybody, and welcome to the first ever Ponder Chat episode. You heard me right, this is the Ponder Chat. Yay! I don't know why I let Perry talk. Perry, give us a little uh, information here. What is the Ponder Chat? Because as people probably notice, we've been doing these shorter kind of episodes, 30, 35 minutes, kind of try to keep them short and brief for people who don't have hours to spend listening to us talk. Um, but we still want to get lots of content out there. And so um, we, we kind of talked about the vision, but let's just do this kind of interview style. Perry, what is the Ponder Chat? <laughs> well, as you said, we've been trying to do some shorter episodes, and we still want to do some long-form content, longer than 25, half an, uh, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. And uh, we thought this could be a good opportunity to have a special... Uh, part of the Ponder Cast. This is an extension of the Ponder Cast, and as you can hear, you can hear the fire crackling in the background. We're having a night. It's almost like a nice little fireside chat for you at the end of the week. It's been a long week. Time to sit back and relax, crack a cold Pepsi, and uh, or your tea. Yeah, your drink your hot tea. Sit exactly. by the fire. And just, just listen to listen, listen to, to the, theology. Exactly. Have a good ponder chat. So yeah. So these episodes, hopefully, hopefully they'll be uh, beneficial, a little more relaxing, but still like filled with information for for you listeners. Specifically this week, we have uh, uh, me, Drew, interviewing Shad Hodgson about worship and unity and church unity and and just kind of how those things incorporate and how they kind of tie together so yeah we hope to do a lot more of these ponder chats in the future so shad you're joining me today and i'm excited about our topic because i think it's i think it's a really interesting topic and something we don't i feel like people don't usually think about too much like it's I think it can easily pass by us. But before we kind of get into our talk, well, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're at, what you're doing, how long you've been doing it. What what qualifies you to be on the Pondercast? <laughs> I don't know if anything does. I'm, uh, I live in North Balford, Saskatchewan, and me and my wife have been here two, just about two years now. I work at um, a church in town, and the program I work with, we uh, work with young offenders, teaching them uh, work skills and then lots of carpentry mm -hmm. stuff, but most importantly, it's trying to share the gospel. So that's, yeah, I've been doing that for about two years hmm, and on. my wife and I just had a baby like a month ago. So that's awesome. I'm on a, I'm on a paternity leave right now, but it's, it's all, yeah, lots of changes right now, but yeah. yeah. Sure. That's exciting. That's I should I say mean, too I already, that I already knew it and I'm already, I'm still excited for you. Like, yeah. I already knew you had it's pretty wild yeah i was gonna say too that like we're drew and i are friend like we've known each other for a long long time like when oh, yeah. probably met when we were kids well thir my, 13 12 or 13 I think. yeah yeah yes. so my oldest brother is married to drew's oldest sister and yeah so we went to youth group together and stuff we actually lived together for a while i was gonna yeah. i was gonna say i had a little story that i feel like like kind of def not defines but like is a good example of our relationship okay go for that. it I'm so, a little nervous now I'm like oh no what, <laughs> what is he gonna say so we were uh when I got married you were a groomsman and when you got married 
I was a groomsman for you. Mm-hmm. And we were married two two weeks apart, eh? Yeah. I right. think I just, yeah. we just beat you by two weeks. Although yeah, you, were engaged, you were engaged before we were, so. Because it was a race, yeah. Yeah, but but four out of the five groomsmen I had, had all lived with me. And so they'd all, they'd all kind of seen, I don't know, what kind of person I was to live with. So I think one of the questions at the reception was, for the groomsmen was, uh, what, what's living, like, what's the hardest part of living with Shad? And none of you guys thought about it at all because every single one of you was like, he never does the dishes. He's so, <laughs> he's so messy. And I'm like four times in a row, these guys yeah. said that. I'm like, Oh, that's nice. And then I don't think I had the opportunity at your wedding to say anything. <laughs> There's a reason <laughs> but, for that. <laughs> but then I think it was like a couple of months later we were talking and you said, you know, I feel really bad for just piling on about how you not, how you don't do the dishes. And then, you said you said what I should have said was one time you you were I don't know you came home from somewhere when we were living yeah. in the same house yeah and I was like putting this waterproof seal on your work boots yeah you were like those things probably smell horrible <laughs> like, yeah well yeah that's what did. I should that's what I should have talked about at your wedding and I was like that's really nice because you're like Drew you can be like one of the biggest hecklers in the room <laughs> but but you can also be like super thoughtful and kind too so I was like that's that's a good example. Well, thank, thanks for that. And, and for the fact for the record, I I felt bad for saying that for a long time. And then I was like, yeah. I got to tell him that that's what I should have said. Yeah. And then I, I could tell you felt bad. I was like, that's kind of nice. That's just like, I don't know if I've never heard anything like that from the other guys who are. They don't were regret what they me, said. So, yeah. They don't regret it at all. I, I sincerely did regret it. So <laughs> I am sorry for that. But I'm happy that could uh, we could mend that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have been friends for a long time, so, but I don't think, I don't know. I don't think we've ever talked about this that much, this topic this of ours. We have, yeah, there's lots of theology things we haven't talked about. And then if you listen well, to your podcast, I was like, man, like, well, you know, I, I, I think part of the problem was, is I didn't really take the Bible theology seriously when we lived together. I don't think like, it's yeah. kind of something I only took seriously the last couple of years, the last four or five years, I guess. So it's not really something. So I never really cared before. Mm-hmm. We were still learning. I was just like, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, that's saying. I was like, I don't know if we ever talked about when we were sitting in the living room. Like, Drew, what do you think about annihilation? Yeah, yeah what do you think about <laughs> hell? What do you think about it? Uh, that's funny. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting. Uh, just to clarify on your thing, you're not a pastor. Is that right? Correct. I am. Okay. Yeah, I just don't want to give you, I don't want to be like, he's a pastor and he said that, you know, I don't. <laughs> yeah. The closest thing I would be is like a, a Alliance um, denomination worker. I right. don't even know if I'm officially qualified for that but, yet, but, but yeah. you working in ministry. Yeah. Right. But you, uh, and this kind of ties into our topics. So we'll get into it here. Um, but you do uh, on occasion, if not frequently lead worship, is that correct? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just something I've done. I mean, since we met, like, I feel like yeah. I was like 13 or 14 started doing that. And that's just every church I've been a part of has been a big part. And um, like you, Drew, you did this with me once. We will like randomly do conferences where people ask us to lead worship. So I guess I could say I'm like a once or twice a year semi-professional worship leader <laughs> if we're if we're lucky enough to get compensated a little bit. But yeah. yeah, it's it's just something that I I think about a lot and I invest a lot in. I was too. I was also going to say I can't remember if you were there when we were we did a Bible study, and I think 
for the first section for the first I don't know semester uh, our whole topic was this is like when I was 19 our whole topic was worship so Mm. it was something that was very even at that age was super important to me yeah no I I think I was there I remember like I said I don't think it took it very seriously so I don't know if I like remember (laughs) anything that was said but I do remember doing it I do remember doing it so yeah so it's funny I'm asking these questions like I don't know the answer but it's like I do know the answer I'm just like I should just ask them like I know the answer I should tell you what you think and how you act rather than ask you how you think how you act (laughs) yeah but that that brings us and ties us into our topic for today which is worship and I don't want to I don't want to focus on like what's what songs to sing or stuff like do you mean stuff like that i kind of want to get deeper into the topic not like how what chords should you play blessed be your name in those are important i feel like yeah those things are important but eh, maybe not (laughs) um so to start i want to ask you a question and this is just this is this might take off for total different random directions but do you think it's possible i didn't i didn't even prompt you for this so sorry if this is out of the blue is it possible to lead worship with no with uh checking your ego like before you start like is there a possibility to worship leading worship with no egotistical attitude do you think is oh, there that, any is there that's any a good question that? um if you'd like care- to say it's possible but i don't think i've ever done it myself or seen it done <laughs> well i was thinking about this like if you're leading worship and you want to do it right like if you want to play the chords right some part of you has to care about what you're doing musically yeah. rather than worshipfully. I don't know. It was just kind of a, yeah. It's also a thing. If if you're the person who's, who's kind of leading the set, who is leading the songs, I feel like that personality is always going to be lean that way more where they're like, they have that thing where they would really want people to like them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like yeah. it's, and usually I feel like the drummer or whoever is probably the opposite of that. They're happy hiding behind their instrument. But right. I would say um, that I think I would, I think I would say that there always is that aspect where you're like, you're, you might be doing it a little bit for the wrong reasons for some selfish reasons. And right. I think that's just one of those things where if you're, if you're pursuing like um, to be God honoring and you're moving in that direction, especially if you move in that direction, obviously you're always going to be getting better and better at leading people in worship because you're, you're thinking about how they're engaging with God rather than just how you're going, you know, how well you're doing through the songs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a better answer than I could come up with my head. (laughs) So happy you had an answer to that. Sorry for just throwing a curveball at you there. I just just kind of want to start with that. So uh, you said an inch, we're, Talking about like what we worshipful, what we worshipful. Well said. Uh, how we worship, rather. We kind of discussed this a little bit before we got on here, like yesterday. It's all about like what what are the essentials that we need to worship. And let me kind of just hash this out a little bit for for what we're talking about. So uh, specifically in like the states and stuff, we have you have huge churches bethel hillsong elevation all these churches with these huge big three yeah well those are the big three right <laughs> i was trying to like list more I was like i don't think i know anymore but uh you mean you have you have those big churches and they you know i mean they have strings and guitars and violins mm-hmm. and aeolas and all these things i think that's a sauce aeola that's not a 
That's not an instrument. They have lots of aioli going. Violas. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but they have all these instruments, right? And like it's this huge kind of orchestra thing. And then yeah. you get the church that's in the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan, with the piano that doesn't work and not tuned right. And we kind of sing different things and whatever, all that stuff. But where where do you think comes the the centrality of like how we worship as far as I don't know if it's making any sense to you or not. And maybe I'm just kind of fumbling around here, but there within the church, like universal, there has to be some sort of common thread in our worship, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like there has Mm -hmm. to be something that kind of unifies us together. And I was just thinking like, how, how do you think our worship affects the unity of the church? Do you think it divides us or brings us together? Or is it something that we need to like work on becoming more united in? Does that make sense or no? Yeah, I think it does. It's definitely something we need to work on being more united then. I'd even say maybe in the North American church, we might be getting a bit better at it. Because I think right. back in the day, maybe talking to like our parents' generation, you you would hear about churches splitting over, you know, when they when they brought, when or if they brought drums in or things like that. The organ know? got. They're taking yeah, the organ away. taking the organ out. Yeah, it's just a huge deal. So yeah. So lots of, the thing about music is that it's always tied in tradition, right? And it's, it's very deep-seated tradition because i think that's one of the powers of music is that it just it speaks to us every time you hear a song that you heard when you're a kid you know connects you back to that time so it's steeped in tradition it's it's like very emotional so i think it has the capacity to be polarizing as well right Yeah, yeah yeah and i think yeah i think it's just it's just something that people uh they just approach in different ways. And I'd say like you're saying with those big churches where I think they, they heighten the emotional capacity of it because not only do they have this, this, like they have the best musicians for everything. They also have these huge rooms full of people, not now, obviously, but normally they have these huge full rooms of people and that just for human psychology, that affects how you relate to the music, right? Like you, you react differently when there's thousands of people beside you singing the same thing as you. That's so, true, yeah. So it's just something that, um, you know, it just has this huge emotional ceiling. And if we have that, then you have this um, possibility for disunity coming from it as well. Right, yeah. Well, and that, that ties into kind of talking about church unity a little bit in, in kind of context of worship, but kind of outside mm-hmm. it as well. It's interesting. You said, you said a quote uh, the other day we were talking beforehand. And last night at work, I actually listened to – the podcast has said the exact same thing. Like the, I'll, I'll just read it for you. What you say, you said unity in the essentials. I'm not saying as nice as you said it last time or whatever, but uh, non-essentials, liberty, and then all things charity. I, don't, I can't mm-hmm. remember. Do you remember exactly how you said it? You said it kind of more eloquently than I just did. No, but. I think it's about the same. I just said in essentials, unity and non-essentials, liberty and all things charity. So yeah, same right. thing. Well, so this one was a little different. It was meaningful unity, critical charity, serious theology. That's what this one was. But it's a little different, not quite the same. But okay. Um, similar concept in, in what you're kind of saying. Like, sorry, say yours again. I, I overshadowed <laughs> it with mine. I was like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. I had in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, in all things charity. Yeah, I love that. I like that because it, it speaks to the idea of being unified as mm-hmm. one body of Christ, despite how uh our worship kind of sometimes seems to like separate that i think yeah. at times and uh this kind of gets to the topic i don't know if we're going to talk about it later or not 
but kind of gets to the understanding of like some of these big churches, people are, no, we shouldn't sing their songs because they're, they're too big of worships or their pastor said this, so we shouldn't sing their songs. Where do mm-hmm. you kind of fall on that stuff? Like, do you care about what the pastor said of the church that produces music? That seems like a weird kind of tie together, but yeah, I think it always is, is valuable to, you know, investigate and to care. But I think along those lines, we were saying if, um, if your framework is, so the, in essentials unity, I would say, in my opinion, the essentials are the, the Nicene Creed and, right. you know, and just, which includes just the story of the gospel. So yeah. and to even simplify it more, that's anyone who proclaims Jesus as Lord, you know, is, is in the fam is in the, a part of the church, right? They're brothers and sisters yeah, in Christ. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, as Christians, we're all unified under the banner of the gospel of Christ. And then I would say I define non-essentials as, you know, like secondary doctrine things like we were saying with, (laughs) if you have a different eschatology as someone else, you know, that's, that isn't, that doesn't hold the gospel within itself. Right. And, um, some people just stopped listening right there. Yeah. Eschatology doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm out. I'm done. That's not what I said. I know. I'm just joking. It's not essential. (laughs) Sorry. I shouldn't put words in your mouth. That's not really fair. I think, yeah, and then um, and then the charity, I think it's just the fact that we, especially in the body of Christ, when we hear something that someone else says that we disagree with because they have that liberty, I would say, to have a different opinion, we don't assume the intent of what they say. You know, we dig deeper, we investigate into what they actually meant. If it's someone in our own personal circles, we have, to have the opportunity to actually talk to them it's like what did you mean when you said this about yeah you know whatever yeah. your belief is yeah totally and that's interesting because you're kind of just explaining what our goal is on this podcast like we, i don't know if we do it well all the time but that's kind of what we want to do is get people with different views and like why why or explore different views rather than say why do we believe this because uh and have that kind of that charity in mm-hmm. it that we no, we can be willing to disagree on this but still have unification yeah yeah despite disagreements yeah and i think that if you follow that structure i think there's a lot of ability to learn from one another to learn from people we disagree with and um i think there'd be a lot less like churches splitting over things like this i would i would oh, even yeah. go so far as to say like for myself i don't think i would ever leave a church unless it was something to do with the essentials or, or some kind of abuse, you know, like something, right. Yeah. yeah. Something that's kind of a, not, that might be a topic for another time, but like if there's something like that abuse going on in the church, obviously yeah. you have to decide what you're going to do. But if it's strictly like theology, I don't think there's ever a good reason to leave a church unless it's something to do with those essentials of the gospel. Right. Well, like, cause I think well, yeah. we also benefit as a church if we have people in that church who think differently about music, about, you know, different secondary doctrine things. Yeah. So I'm assuming, actually, I don't know. I'm presuming a lot of people just say, whoa, 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 wait up, wait, hold up, Shad. So if you're saying, <laughs> if it's not, if not an essential, you wouldn't leave a church. And I, I feel like there's a lot of kind of pushback you could have on that, you know, like, Oh yeah, I'm sure. And like from everything from, I don't know, from changing how you play music right? From mm-hmm. piano to drums, people leave to mm-hmm. uh, affirming gay marriage, people would leave a church, right? And yeah. it's hard because you have to define what are the essentials. And like you said, it'd be like Christ is the essential. And yeah. I agree with you there. 
the hard part is you have these uh these streams of christianity that seem to almost create this false gospel and so mm-hmm. i would say i don't mean to put you on the spot and i don't know if you have an answer for these questions or not but like churches like uh the great kenneth copeland <laughs> things like that right yeah and i'm sure lots of people have kind of seen it. if you haven't seen him just google him laughing it'll terrify oh, you man but you have things like, you have things like that right and yeah i'm sure he would claim jesus is lord yeah but I it's think... just some of this teaching so goofy so it's like i like if i was in that church and say if like before kenneth copeland there's a different guy and he then he came in i think i would leave like i don't think i could be there just because this isn't what i believe like this isn't the same gospel yeah. i guess so would you say that's that's the gospel's kind of tied in in teaching jesus like that's this is kind yeah. of one of the same i think we're, you... we're probably going to go with two avenues with this thing and i think yeah. one avenue is that if there's a church like i don't know too much about kenneth copeland but what i would know well, is that his laugh especially with <laughs> the laugh alone i think if you if you see so much um uh even if it's not like a a creedal difference if you just see that there's a lot of uh, just like twisting things and i'd almost say it goes into abusive power you know right because Mm, he's he's a spiritual leader and we know he's pursuing his own personal like financial gain and things and that can be classified of as abuse of power and that so that is something i would say totally right is is something to leave a church over but if we're going with i think what we'll get to especially with more of these churches like hillsong elevation yeah bethel is that if you're pushing into health and wealth gospel i think like we talked a bit about that before i'd say that's something that um it's pushing so close to being just the opposite of what the gospel is, right? Because if you look right. at the life of Jesus, when did he have health and wealth, you know? Yeah. Like in the worldly yeah. sense, right? Yeah. He, he was a homeless man who died poor at 33 and all of his followers pretty much did the same thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, something, that, it's something that is pretty much in contrast to what the gospel is. Although I would say, I think if I, if I went to one of those churches, I personally, I don't think I would feel the need to leave. I think I would, I would do what I could to give a different opinion, to, to question what they mean when they say things like mm-hmm. that. And to, cause I think when we, when we pursue that, we uh, like eventually push each other into the center of, of lots of these things. And I could get into this too, cause all those churches pretty much lean more Pentecostal. And from yeah. what I've heard about your guests and listeners is they're probably, they're more in the reform camp. They're probably more conservative evangelicals, yeah, which is kind of on the opposite spectrum of Pentecostalism. It's like yeah. one well, is really focused on spirit and emotion. One is the other is probably more focused on um, like the power of God and, and like what's written in the Bible and studying it. Yeah. Um, so I, I would just say that in lots of those situations, we should be pursuing um, finding, finding a balance and pull it, like realizing where you are on that spectrum and letting other people and the Holy Spirit pull you to what, where you need to go to be a more holistic person. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. 
That was a good answer. <laughs> it's funny. I I always make these kind of like questions I'm going to ask and then I always think of different questions and then I just like, oh, well, hopefully he has an answer for this. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that ties into like like the big three, like we talked about, you know, these B3 churches that we, we yeah. all steal worship songs from and we sing them yeah. at our churches. And I'd say like Bethel, I feel like gets a bad rep lots of the time. Like lots mm-hmm. of people just hate Bethel just because things that have come over their pulpit or yeah, uh, things their worship leaders have done here and there while writing songs or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And Hillsong a little less, so they're not really in the spotlight or although uh what's it bill johnson i think he's hillsong is that hillsong that's it that's the bethel guy yeah brian houston that's yeah no, there you go is that the right yeah. guy yeah he's been like it's funny because both these guys have said questionable things from the pulpit mm-hmm. and you, you kind of touched on this before but we kind of just take that and be like yep yeah, that's what they believe that's what their church is all about and mm-hmm. don't really do any like research on it stephen furtick elevation he's a little more like I don't know. I'm a little more confident he's like a health and wealth kind of preacher, but yeah, it's a little more straight up. But my, my question to you then is they produce like tons of songs, like tons. Mm-hmm. And we take them and sing them in our services. And like, I listened to, I can't remember what I was in an interview of a, a guy kind of talking about this. I say a guy, it sounds really professional. <laughs> he was a, a pastor and, and a theologian, but he was saying like, yeah, we should not sing these songs by any of these churches in our, in our churches, because they're, they're not coming from a good place. They were promoting these other churches that have these false doctrines. We, we uh, were giving them money by playing their songs and our churches who had to pay for that through the, whatever program we have. And they're really against playing songs written by these, these, the big three, we'll just call them the big three to use it. So what do you think about that? Like, do you agree with that? Or do you think it's just like, okay, we're, we're trying to find disunification here just for the sake mm-hmm. of it. Um, do you, like, do you think that's, that's a big of deal as people make it like, well, we shouldn't sing these songs. But the, the fact aside, we would literally sing about four songs if we didn't have these yeah. churches probably. <laughs> but well, like, what do you think about that? Like, yeah. do you agree with that? Like we shouldn't sing these songs because they're written by these guys or do you think that's just like, stupid kind of thinking sorry that's not really is that that (laughs) foolish thinking though yeah i think the people who have those opinions are coming from the place that they want to protect their congregation from from these people who have doctrine that they disagree with right so i'd say i don't think their motives are are um evil or anything but i would say that uh i mean it's true it is true that you you pay for the licensing of those songs, like almost every church has a CCLI account where they are paying a small amount to the writers of those songs. Yeah. So, and then, if, so from that side you're talking about, I've heard a few, like few caveats, if that's the right word. They, one is like, it matters more that their current church is doing this, right? Because there is, there's totally a history of writers of worship songs who either completely fall away and, and then start saying terrible things about the church yeah. and God, yeah. or, you know, like we just know that they, they did, ended up not living a godly life. Yeah. Um, so they seem okay with those, even though like those hymn writers, they seem okay with those. They say it's a big deal that their current church is doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, the dis- other th- they disassociate yeah. whether like history has a factor on it, right? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, sorry, keep going. I, I saw they, and then that. they would also say that those songs themselves, they might be solid theological songs, but they're saying that there is uh, evil undercurrent to them, even though the songs are totally solid in what they say theologically because they come from these churches that they disagree with. I right. would say, I, I think I'll single out Bethel because Bethel has some incredibly solid songs theologically, just like preaching the gospel through the mm-hmm. songs. They have some songs I would say are super weak theologically. Like they, they barely talk about who God is. You know, it's, yeah. it seems like it's more about this, um, this like event of worship rather than who we're worshiping. Right. Yeah. And, but I would say that um, I, so I was having conversations like this about Bethel with people. So I, I wanted to investigate and find out what they believe. So I looked yeah. at their, their like mission statement, their, um, what do you call that? Statement of faith. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something like that. Yeah. And it's like, it's the Nicene Creed. It's like believing God is maker of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And, so, I'm tra- so I went from there, which I think is a good place to start with people's statement of faith, right? And mm-hmm. then where, where do people disagreeing on this? So there's certain things the pastor said that make it sound like they would believe that Jesus wasn't fully God. And so I, then <laughs> the problem is you go on YouTube and you find like huge rabbit trails of what people believe. And what I think the problem is that is that third point of in all things charity yeah. We're losing that charity of assuming that our brothers and sisters in Christ are, you know, are pursuing Christ and are pursuing the gospel because, right. you know, and then, and that's when we start taking things out of context. That's when we start um, having like a preconceived notion of what they're going to say. But right. so in my opinion that um, I would say that I haven't heard any evidence, solid evidence to say that, any of those churches deny those creedal gospel truths. Right. Right. So for me, I say I'm, I'm fine with, with singing those songs and, and, you know, and, and this is another thing I'm going to get into is that uh, I think worship leaders and worship pastors need to take way more um, responsibility for the songs they sing and Mm. the types of songs they sing, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of worship pastors that are just going to sing any song that these churches put out, but the pastor or the worship pastor, or the worship leader needs to like break down those songs and find, you know, which ones have the most theology packed into them and, and are going to be good for the church, their church, their flock at this time. And then one other thing I'll get into is that um, I would say I'd break worship songs into two groups. I'd say there's songs of praise and there's songs of reflection. Songs of reflection yeah. are, are songs that um, are written from our perspective to God. So they're, they're like how, how he loves us, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's kind of for us. It's us reflecting on the love of God for us. Songs of praise are all from us directed to God. Right. These are the, these are the amazing things you've done for us. And Bethel has some really amazing songs of praise. Yeah, right. Hillsong does as well. So I would say in that case, it's it's up to the worship leader that he has to he or she has to find the right the right balance of those types of songs. You know, if we're just singing songs of reflection, we're missing out on so much. And if we're singing mm. songs of praise 
and reflection, we're, we're getting this taught we're getting this, um, you know, us to God, God to us, this, this even circular thing that we need to have a good relationship with God. And I would also say that hymns have the exact same problem. There's hymns of reflection and there's hymns of praise. So I don't think you can just say that hymns are always better in that sense, you know? Right. Wow. Okay. Well, there's a lot there. I'm going to just kind of pick, I'm just going to pick a couple of things I want to talk about. So you, so you would say like the place where it comes from doesn't matter as much as what's in the song. Is that accurate? Um, Like, yeah, well, I would say (laughs) in reference to these, in reference to these three churches, let's just stay there for now. Well, I think I, I still would probably have to get to the place that I believe those churches would declare Christ as Lord. And I think they, they fall under the Nicene Creed. So for example, if this is an example of, uh, well, it's not my example. Anyways, so Planned Parenthood came out with a song of worship that recognized the Trinity, you know, recognized Jesus Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't sing that song at your church. If it, even if it was like a super, like it was a powerful song, you know, you just felt moved by the spirit when you sang it, yeah. whatever. You wouldn't sing it because you don't agree with, they're kind of well not to bash that was just that was an example someone else kind of gave like what do yeah, you what I, heard, are you... I heard that example and you even that like i don't think many people are gonna be with me on this one but that Perfect. also depends think on differently your, <laughs> it also depends on what your definition of what is redeemable right like hmm. that's a whole other topic but i think like if we can have christmas trees in our house they're originally pagan symbols right Right. We've, yeah, yeah. we've decided that they're redeemable to be a representation of Christmas and the birth of Christ. Right. So yeah, yeah. there's a whole conversation too about what we believe is redeemable. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there yeah. too. Okay, to get to back, get back to. Um, I feel like I'm har- harping on these uh, the these churches, but that's kind of why I want to get on you on here because you have a lot of knowledge on like Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, and worship. So. Would you say that those kind of churches, I mean, this isn't a fair question, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. If you don't think it's a fair question, just tell me. Uh, Would you say they focus more on the reflection songs? Like you're saying, like Mm -hmm. uh, having a big band, thousands of people worshiping together. It's really easy to get emotionally drawn into that kind Mm -hmm. of mindset. And, or would you say they have a good mix of like these reflection and, uh, what was the other one? Worship, not worshipful, praise, but uh, praise it, yeah. song. Yeah, like, so do you think they focus more on this reflection thing and we should be careful just to kind of like have a balance, like you said? Or is that yeah, kind of not fair because we don't It's hard to, to even them. say, yeah, yeah, it's hard to even say what is the right balance. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you could say it'd be, it'd be nice if we had 50-50 praise to reflection songs just being written and released, right? Right. And this is this is one thing too that I'd say is is a problem with worship music we have today is that we've kind of built this Christian music industry to in in total in parallel to to just the nor- the mainstream um, music industry and what the mainstream music industry does is an artist releases an album like every year or two mm-hmm. and every album has to have at least ten songs and so Christians for some reason we think we have to do the same thing and so those those artists feel like they have to release an album of 10 or more songs every year and a half. And right. I don't think you're going to get 10 amazing worship songs yeah. every year and, and you year get and these half. kind of fluffy yeah. ones or whatever. I've yeah, been yeah. trying to write worship songs for like five years and I have <laughs> like one and a half. So 
it, like those things take time if you want it, right. if you want them to be like jam packed with good theology. Right. So I'd say that's, again, that I think that ends up being the, the responsibility of worship leaders that they sift through some of those songs and pick, pick right. a balance. But I, like, I still don't know if I could say for sure that like older songs or hymns have more praise songs and less mm. reflection songs or, and vice versa. Like right. there's just so many, it's, I think that's just something we need to filter out ourselves too. It's just like, to me, it's like, if I, if there's a new Hillsong album and I'm looking, I'm about to lead worship and I want to sing a, a praise song, I'm going to look through that album for the praise songs, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's a good resource. And like, I kind of agree with you in the fact, like we should focus way I don't, don't want to put words in your mouth, but that, that's kind of where I stand with it. Like, I think the words matter more than where it comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, you said everything, if we think everything is redeemable and everything can be used for the glory of God, why, why does it matter where it comes from? The, the, the problem, the only problem with that is, is you are funding something that you don't necessarily believe mm-hmm. in. But like you were talking about before, if we do believe that unification is what we want and we should as believers want unification within the church, although people don't act like it usually, we should strive to not make this divisive, I guess is. Mm -hmm. is, Yeah. That's, I think that's a balance that churches might have to find Like one just very specific thing is that from my understanding, those very, very small funds, you know, the copyright, Mm -hmm. like the CCLI, decide or they record how many songs you've sung from certain artists and they I don't even know how many percentage of a cent it is for every time you use that song right but then it goes it goes directly to songwriters and doesn't go to the church so if you're worried about funding Ethel doesn't actually go to the church itself it goes interesting songwriters so maybe go on their instagrams and see what they're all about I don't know yeah no I think that 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 uh kind of requires us to do research you know and not just be ignorant yeah. in oh i'm gonna yeah. do this or whatever we want to do because yeah it's uh i think ignorance is one of the worst things we can kind of bring to our theology yeah and unification sure. just like oh yeah we'll just we think we know what we're talking about but we don't really kind of and, yeah, and it's just another thing that you you investigate without going into it with like a preconceived notion because yeah. you don't you don't, I don't think you go into those things assuming the worst about a brother or sister in Christ, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So to throw an example out at you, I just want you to kind of find, tell me the difference of these two things. Okay. So, um, Psalm 121, uh, it starts, I lift my eyes up. Okay. Mm-hmm. To the heavens. Where does my help come from? Maybe we know the song, you know, the song I'm kind mm-hmm. of referencing. So we have that song and we, we kind of incorporate it into our worship today. Mm-hmm. Who is the author? David. David, you know, he did some pretty messed up things in his life, right? Yeah. And we say, oh, well, that's that's a long time ago, right? We whatever, that doesn't really matter. But then we we go to a place like Hillsong, where this guy—I don't know if you heard the song "Healer" ever. I don't know if you've heard this song. I don't know actually. Okay, well, people can look it up. But anyway, it's it's about God healing people and healing. And he actually, this guy, sounds really bad, but he. He basically lied about a terminal illness for two years while he wrote this song. <laughs> and then he has found, and it was super emotional, right? God will heal me. Like the song's all about healing. And he lied about this illness that he had. I don't know why you'd lie about terminal illness. That just seems foolish because mm-hmm. people are obviously going to figure it out. Like, you know, me lie about something that's reasonable anyways. And so, and so people are like, well, we shouldn't sing that song because it was written of a place of lies. 
but mm-hmm. it, it's not wrong. Like God is our healer if you believe that. Mm-hmm. So is there a difference between like this time? That like guy that, and David even. Yeah, like, yeah, there's a time, a huge time lapse, but should there be a difference in how we view these two songs? Like, is it, does time heal the song? So it doesn't matter as much. Like, because I think we should still be like, oh, David was pretty messed up when he wrote these things or he yeah. did some messed up things in his life. So what difference is that in this guy doing me? Like, is there, is there a separation yeah. there you think? Yeah. I would say for most conversations like this, just to say the lapse of time is the big yeah, change. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a weak argument, right? Totally. It's like, because yeah. truth doesn't change. God's God's like design for us doesn't change. So we know, we know the story of David. We know, you know, we know he was writing Psalms when he was doing really sinful things. Right. Yeah. So I think I, I guess one thing would say that we know that David, what separates David from Saul and lots of other Kings of Israel is that he ha- had a repentant heart, you know, mm-hmm. like he, yeah. he, that's true. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because it didn't, it doesn't even really make him, get better over his lifetime he ended his life like still doing sinful things and still had like having huge of consequences for those sins but it just always seemed like he had a repentant heart so So i guess one thing we can pursue is does this new artist guy does he have a repentant heart for what he did do you think that matters like is that a factor in whether or not we should use the song like do you like because it's hard like whether you would play the song or not i don't know but i would just say like conceptually that idea of of um are we living with repentant hearts you know Mm. like yeah are we are we like um do we have sorrow over our sin and are we pursuing god i feel like that is something we pass over so much when we talk about morality and that's just like such a huge theme in the bible is Mm. like think like about peter too like peter with jesus does all these like shameful and sinful things, denying Christ, lopping off a guy's ear when Jesus doesn't want yeah. it to, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. even after Jesus is, is like up is in heaven, Paul has to call him out on stuff because he's, he's falling into sin. And so we still consider Peter that to be a father of our church, to even yeah. be the rock of our church. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think God has a soft spot for these people who have repentant hearts, right? Yeah. that that is a really good tie together like yeah i would never put the two together but you're totally right like yeah we don't discount paul because he used to kill christians you know I mean yeah. it's like oh we get a repentant heart and now 90 percent of our services have some pauline letter in it right yeah. like it's uh that's a really good tie together so take that all you people who say we shouldn't <laughs> sing that song <laughs> here's some just low-hanging fruit here what about hawk nelson i'm sure you heard uh um, yeah the lead singer of hawk nelson kind of well i didn't like well, hawk nelson before <laughs> heard that. the only song i think i've ever heard in in the services drops in the ocean you know what song no i don't uh, uh, you heard that in a church service i think so maybe i haven't oh. i don't know i feel like i have anyways although i will maybe it wasn't low hanging fruit i listened to a podcast on him recently like he had an interview mm-hmm. and i feel like he said he denounced his faith but i feel <laughs> like he's like still kind of clinging to some of it yeah like it's I've, not... yeah, I've heard some conversations with him even though i don't really know much about him or the band but yeah I've, I've heard some things like again if we're gonna go to essentials and non-essentials lots of the things seem like he's questioning 
non-essentials you know yeah yeah like i feel I, like yeah i feel like he's doing a deconstruction rather than renouncing yeah. his faith that's what it sounds like just but i don't want to speak for him but that's kind yeah. of what this is sorry it's kind of off topic but yeah, this is really I, interesting because he's a he's a big figure in christian music yeah. like he's huge sorry his name isn't hawk nelson is it i don't know what his actual name <laughs> no. is I just no, know the band Hawk so. Nelson. We'll just call him Hawk Nelson for yeah. simplicity. That's sake. even I, that's even another differentiation I would I would probably make is that in Christian in the Christian music industry we will want to lump all these people together. Like we'll 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 play these Christian artists' song in church, even though I don't think their intent with those songs was ever to be to be a congregational song. And that right, yeah. once again, that's the yeah. responsibility of the worship leaders because you're playing a song that wasn't intended to be for the church to sing together then it probably shouldn't be you know and i yeah, don't think totally. that's the artist's fault that someone's playing their song you know in a yeah. church service yeah i like that yeah you can't really blame reliant k for singing uh yeah one of their songs just, the church has I just nothing think to do I've, with God. i've written songs that are just like they're really top like written songs that are i i think i can see a church singing this one day and so when I write it, I'm thinking about what does the church need to hear? What's lots of times I think what's something a worship song, worship songs don't often say about God that they should be saying. But when I write songs about like, I don't know, like songs about my wife or I write songs about um, like what I believe about um, what's happening in the world. I really don't want those songs sung in church. Even this yeah. is the first question you asked him is what was about ego. And this is kind of ego. Cause I don't know if those songs will ever get sung. Right. Yeah. yeah. So this kind of ties into an interesting point. So like in the States, I don't know how, well, you kind of, you've been how into the news you've been recently, but in the past year, Kanye West, right. He oh, came yeah. out with his, uh, oh, what the heck is his, uh, Jesus is Lord. I think Jesus, Jesus is Lord, Lord album. Right. So in my opinion, that I listened to the album. There's some good tunes on it, whatever, like just catchy tunes. No. Mm-hmm. Theology aside, you sound very white. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I am white, so it works. <laughs> I don't want to endorse that, anyways. So, but I was reading some churches do play that in their worship services. Okay, and I was like, I don't think so. Like, I don't think these are like congregational worship songs. I think these are personal worship songs for him. Yeah, I don't know if you've listened to the album or not. It's like I said, it's not. So what, know. what about those songs would make you not want to hear them in church? Well, they're, they're a person, like lots, some of them are like a personal reflection. Yeah. And I feel like a person, a song of personal reflection is kind of hard to uh, navigate into a congregational setting. Mm-hmm. And like lots of this, the whole album is kind of him. I guess exploring his faith right and mm-hmm. i feel like it's a really personal album I'm not saying it's a bad album or whatever that aside i just feel like why why are we singing this these mm-hmm. songs in worship i mean not we but um big you I mean churches in the states will say just because that's where i heard it yeah. but it just seems like a a uh we're kind of saying oh let's be like the mainstream uh society yeah. let's be let's be let's tie intermingle between what we, what the church is doing and what society is doing and mainstream kind of just for uh, the sake of maybe seeming cooler or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. And it's like, well, I don't know. That (laughs) seems kind of dicey to kind of tie that in. If I was going to, if I was going to tie it back to what we've already said, I'd say one, (laughs) 
are we picking us with a worship leader pick a song from that album that could be applied as a congregational song you know like um, right you're my chick-fil-a i don't, I don't know yeah, if that works yeah, or not that's a lie yeah <laughs> was you're right, Sunday. <laughs> but but if say there is a say there is a song on that album that yeah. that totally works as a congregational song i would say uh i think i might be okay with that and then interesting and then another thing is we once again we we don't want to assume the in assume the intent of the writer without investigating first so i don't even know if kanye west like he might just be doing all of this just because he thinks it's like a way to get more exposure right but but i don't want to assume that first you know i would like to assume that he has a relationship with god and he is like he's pursuing honoring him maybe yeah maybe he's working through a lot of things but man so so again you have way more christian charity than i do i just (laughs) i'm just like not there i just like you're doing this for kanye man (laughs) just for kanye just for kanye i I, sorry i'm still praying for snoop dog man snoop yeah maybe he'll come around (laughs) oh man like that's just mind-blowing to me that like I, uh, that's something I do not envy, but that's, that's, I guess that's something I need to work on. Cause man, you just have this, this charity. It's like, no, I don't want to assume what their intent is. And I think that's a really wise way to approach anything because like, why should yeah. we assume what they're trying to do? Oh, they're trying to lead people away from Christ. I don't think that's what their goal. Like, and oh man, that's just, that's something that kind of blows my mind. I obviously I don't you've been I'm, thinking about this more than I, I, have. I think about it. And I think, I, I think I, I think I think about those things because I'm not good at them. I'm, I think I'm naturally like a pretty judgmental person. And I think that's just something that God and probably my wife has exposed in me is that, is that I have that tendency and I want to pursue, you know, just having that charity and not assuming someone has, has a evil intent, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, We've been pretty charitable to other churches we disagree with. And I've been seeing lots of people, maybe lots of people, some people I feel like would push back against mm-hmm. this charity that we're kind of giving to churches. And uh, this kind of ties, I mean, I'm just going to pick a verse here. It's it's in 1 Corinthians 5. And you kind of brought this up uh, yesterday, I guess. Uh, the, the, the text is talking about dealing with incest and talks about like uh, sexual immorality and how that kind of works out but just pulling like verse 12 and 13 says what business is uh, of mine to judge those outside the church are you not to are you not to judge those inside god will judge outside repel the wicked person from you and just i mean i you can say i'm taking it out of context i'm fine with that but there is an aspect of this within the church we should be holding each other accountable we should be correcting people i think this is kind of what you're talking about you wouldn't leave a church if someone did something you didn't like, rather you try to change it within the church. Right. You like, you'd try to, you'd stay there and try to like fix it, uh, bring a different opinion, different view, but should we not be kind of like judgmental within the church? Or do you think mm-hmm. that's like a wrong kind of pulling of that text? Uh, I think, no, I think, I think you're right in that. I think this chapter makes it obvious that for one people outside the church, Paul says, straight up that we it's not our job to judge them totally so yeah. if we're gonna yeah so I'd which, say, which the church does really bad at yeah exactly someone We've, there's yeah you, you see someone who promotes homosexuality or same-sex marriage wow and we always point the finger you don't have any right to judge yeah, them it might, it's not that, even why? your job yeah yeah that, that blows my mind 
Yeah. So I think, I mean, maybe one of the problems is that people who do take this seriously, they turn all their judgment <laughs> straight towards people in the church. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I would say, I don't know when I, when I was reading this yesterday, I was thinking some of the other contexts is, well, first of all, mostly what we're talking today is people's beliefs, you know, about, about doctrine. And so that is kind of a different story. And this even goes to what I was saying before about, I wouldn't leave a church for anything except ascent, like essential, uh, central doctrine things, right, but, yeah. but abuse for, if there's cases of abuse, I probably would. And this, this kind of, t- this chapter ties into morality and abuse. So I think it is a little bit of a different case than, Interesting. Yeah. than just about, you know, this Christian believes this about whatever, and the other Christian believes something different. But I think it's not talking about people who have secondary doctrine differences, right? Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. But it does open a ton of questions about like, who do you, who do you allow to even be on your team, your worship teams at church? If you, if you know that they're living in sin, you know, which is, which that is (laughs) exactly that's, and that's another tough thing. It's like, where do you draw the line? So again, I think we should go back to that repentant heart. If Mm. there's, if there's something, you know, someone's struggling with, not even, maybe not even struggling. If there's something, a sin, you know, someone's committing and you don't know if it's, if it's something they're trying to break out of or something they think they're okay with, you find out if that person has a repentant heart, right? If it's something they're trying to purge out of their life. And honestly, I, there's, there's gotta be more examples, but really all I can think of is someone who's, who's um, someone who's living with someone they're not married to, you know, mm. it's like, it's, it's a, being in a state where you're saying that we don't think there's anything wrong with this because you're living together. Right. Yeah. If it's someone who who for some reason you've heard that they're sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend, then you can even you can even like before you assume their intent, before you know what they're struggling with, you, you talk yeah. to that person about, hey, is this is this actually happening for one? And yeah. what do you think about this? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that sorry, I just it keeps it keeps going back to that like having that in all things charity. Like just mm-hmm. when we assume intent we just well when you assume you know what happens when you assume but we don't cuss on this podcast we don't cuss on this podcast (laughs) but do you know what i mean though there is that aspect of like yeah sometimes we can just become super ignorant and just assuming just makes you look like a total idiot yeah you might be totally wrong you might be totally off base on what you're thinking and and having that charity is something that i think i don't know all believers would do well to kind of yeah, and that's even just this chapter, First Corinthians five. It's like people can just read maybe the two verses you read. And, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and like, I, oh, spell yeah. the sinful brother. Yeah, and then yeah, and then we forget exactly. about we forget about going to your brother with someone else and yeah. and finding out what's going on. We forget about how many sinners Jesus hung out with. You know, like totally. Yeah. So I think we need to man context, man. Context. Context context is king as they say no key there we go context is key. i don't know what they say anyways we definitely got off what uh what our plan was for this episode but that's totally fine i'm, no, I'm I like happy it on my notes i feel like we covered maybe we've covered most everything. of it hey yeah i think the only thing i also wanted to, to talk about was just just it's so my wife has a master's in psychology so i rip off psychology things from her Perfect. But it's just so natural for humans to to make in groups and out groups. We we constantly 
want to decide who is in our group, who's in the right and who's outside and in the wrong. So mm-hmm. that's just something that we need to recognize in ourselves. I would, I would go so far as to say that is part of our sinful nature because I don't think mm-hmm. that's in the nature of God. Yeah. Or, oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> but I mean, kind of. Okay, no, I would I say mean, God Israel, has the right. God yeah. has the right to say who's in and who's out. We don't. Interesting. Interesting. So, that, that's a good so if we recognize that in our in our in our psychology then we're going to notice that we're always leaning that way subconsciously to decide who we're going to reject yeah and i don't think that's right no i agree 100 percent on that i think yeah that's interesting that we do yeah I'm, I'm trying to think if i agree with that or not like that being part of our sinful nature like in groups no group i think so I think that they make sense initially, but I feel like I'm going to think about it tonight and be like, yeah, oh, maybe not. Well, I don't it's know. tough because there, there's so many cases where we see that God, you know, rejects people or like puts people in a different, I don't know, position. But well, I like would, Israel, I think, Israel and the Canaanite, yeah. like there's but, obviously but you, separation if, there. Yeah. Point. And even if you go there, though, that there's so many things in the Old Testament that talk about how you're supposed to accept the immigrant. You know, yeah, like totally, yeah. there is all these times that it's easy because we have this psychology where we want to reject somebody. We, we, it's easier to skip over those things where it says, you know, and there's so many things that Paul talks about too, where it's like, we, you know, we are no longer slave free, male, female, we're all one in Christ. Yeah. And so I think that's in, that's in contrast to this, this in group out group psychology. Interesting, man, this, this has been, I don't know if you have anything else to say, but this has been a really good conversation. I'm learning lots. Yeah, I like <laughs> so, that. It's really crazy. It, we kind of jumped everywhere. We kind of jumped from church unity to like worship to church unity. Yeah. But but I think they do tie they together. They tie together, yeah, for sure. I think because I think that's something that we do divide over quite often. Yeah. But uh, yeah, do you have anything else you want to kind of say? Any closing remarks or anything like that? Um, or was that your closing remark? That, I, don't, I, I just feel surprised that we covered everything i wanted to say and i have this feeling right now like i uh came across pretty well and i think that's this ego you were talking to at the very beginning so you know it's tying in right to what we started with what a perfect conclusion perfect conclusion ego right on hey shad i appreciate your time immensely thanks thanks for coming on the pondercast today yeah. i had a really good converse it was a really good conversation we'll have to have you on again sometime if yeah, we yeah uh, that would be awesome dive deeper into this idea of church you need to get into some theological kind of problems with it or uh solutions we can come to because i think the church is super divided right now and i think it's just going to keep getting that way more and more and more yeah and uh it'd be interesting to kind of dive into some of those issues and and kind of see what we can do with that yeah uh thanks for your time i do appreciate it um yeah thanks for having me on are you waiting till i say the the thing i'm supposed to say no 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 i have to promote the ponder cast first <laughs> okay go ahead hey everyone thanks for listening we uh we would like if you would uh rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast we uh do rely on you for our listeners for uh getting the word out there um please feel free to join the conversation if you think shad is crazy and uh disagree with them please uh join the on. club yeah <laughs> uh, we would uh, encourage you to join our facebook page leave a comment there Shad, I'm sure, will uh, be happy to reply if you leave a comment questioning them. But, uh, yeah, we do thank you for listening. And until next week, keep on pondering.